Welcome to the Bible Studies for Life adult podcast. This is hosted each week by Chris Johnson and myself, Lynn Pryor. And if you're new to this podcast, welcome. We are glad that you joined us. And just know that what a key part of Bible Studies for Life has to do with our title. It's Bible Studies for Life. We want to connect scripture to our lives, our daily lives. And faith is an important part of our lives. And it's certainly a key teaching throughout the Bible. We need faith to trust in Christ for our salvation, but faith doesn't stop there. How do we live that faith out in our daily lives? Well, that's our focus for the next few weeks in Bible Studies for Life, as we're going to jump into a study of the book of James. So, Chris, let's jump into the book of James. Good to see you today. Great to be with you. It is our pleasure to have Jim Wilson with us today. Jim is the author of the study that we're looking at on the book of James. Jim, good to see you today. Good to see you too, brother Chris. Jim, uh, we've worked together on several projects. Um, The first time I met you, we were doing a small church conference at Ridgecrest, which was a lifetime ago. And then uh, we did a book together on uh, spiritual disciplines, and then you wrote again about spiritual disciplines and Bible studies for life uh, a couple years yes. ago. And now here you are uh, on the book of James. Well, it's good to be working with you again, brother Chris. It's uh, in fact, uh, the highlight of, uh, of my year was working on this particular Bible study. I learned so much being engaged uh, with James again. He's, he's, he's a rough friend. He's your big brother that tells you the truth while he's hugging you. He just says it so plainly how we should live our lives. And so what we're looking at, we're putting this in the context of living out our faith, uh, what that looks like. And James has given us some extremely practical things to how, how just we live out our walk with Christ. So we're going to begin our first session. We're going to be in the first 12 verses of James chapter one. And we're going to look at this idea of trials, the idea that God uses trials to mature our faith. Let me just read the first four verses, and then, uh, Jim, uh, Chris, I'm going to turn it back to you. Uh, James wrote this, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes dispersed abroad, greetings. Consider a pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience trials of various kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete lacking nothing. So James is very practical. Uh, That's one of the the appeals to the book. And I don't know about you guys, but it it, it seems like every time I go there, it's like what you said, Jim, I learned something new. I discover something I'm challenged in a different way, but it seems like it always applies and it's always practical. Have you found it that way? Yes, it, there's always something to do after you finish reading the book of James, which is, a, which is interesting because he is living out in the way that he writes his message, because that's exactly what he's telling us to do, to apply this faith. It's not just about what you think, it's about what you do. And he writes in that very form, so he's consistent with his form and his message. So on, when I read this, Um, And and I think I I think if it's somebody's first time to read it or if they haven't really paid a lot of attention to James, I almost hear brakes screeching in the background (laughs) as he's saying, "Okay, so when you're having trials, it's a good thing. Uh, 
make call it joy uh, when you're going through difficult times. And that's just counterintuitive. It doesn't make sense. How would he why would he say such a thing? <laughs> well, in this in the same way that Peter and Paul have a similar theme in their writing that that trials do produce something helpful. But what's unique to James is the way he begins it. He says, this is a joyful event. It is reason for celebrating. You should throw a party. And then he talks about when you experience various trials. Now, what we want to do is we want to divide trials up into categories. You know, the trials that are happening, no fault of our own. Trials that are happening because of something we've done. Trials that are really just a strengthening exercise. So uh, we kind of centrifuge trials and put it into three or four different categories and want to have a different approach to each one. And James just says, time out, guys, various trials, whatever you're going through, rejoice because it's going to do something that's going to have lasting effects. It is going to produce a stronger faith. Now, Peter would talk about a refining mm -hmm. faith. But James is talking about a strengthened faith, and he says, because of that, there's joy, even in the midst of the trial, but maybe not even in the midst of the trial, but especially because of the trial, something good is happening in the midst of all of this. When we enter the trial, we do it with a joyful heart because we know that just as God brought about good the last time. He's going to bring about good this time. And so it's with grateful hands we receive from the hand of God what he brings. And so my approach would be it's both and. James is saying this trial itself is reason for joy because of what it's going to produce. But you start with the thought of joy instead of trying to add that on to the end. Sure. And it's easy to see the the joy looking backwards, you know, when I, when, now that I've gone through the trial, it's easy to see, yes, I can see how God used that. I see what God did, but there's an element of faith here. It's just as, as I'm entering this trial, I'm going to be joyous. I don't know what's going to happen with this, but God, I'm going to try. I'm just going to be joyous. So there's an element of faith. And it makes the, the difference. Uh, because the reason we can rejoice afterwards is we can look back and say, oh, yeah, look at what I learned. Oh, look at the development. Being joyful at the beginning is taking the trial on faith. Mm. And because of that faith, we know that God is going to do what he's going to do. Maybe it's going to turn out pleasant for us in the end. We're going to see the strengthening that took place. Or maybe just because he's going to be glorified. But either case, we enter into it with a joyful spirit. And the goal is to be able to do what I just said. Because it's not what comes natural to any of us. I know it's not what comes natural to me. Well, and Jim, you said it well in, in what you wrote here in our personal study guides, where you reminded us that joy is a supernatural response that's empowered by God. Because I cannot manufacture that on my own. It, it's transparent when we try to, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> A lot to that. Um, I think. I think what happens with believers, oftentimes with groups, 
is a trial is going on and we we want we want to know why and we want to explain it and say that it has a purpose and i don't think i'm i i get the sense that james is saying listen the result of this is going to be your strength your your faith is going to be strengthened and i don't i don't know that every trial starts with that purpose dynamic i think it's more about what the result of the trial is and i think i think the joy is an is as is an important spiritual development perspective of how you how you deal with the difficulties of life is that fair if you don't have the joy it's possible you're going to be embittered towards god yep and if you're embittered towards god it is going to destroy your faith because you start blaming god and that's why it's so important to experience the joy in the midst of it and what happens, Brother Chris, is, is kind of a flywheel effect. It's, it's the accumulation of trials over the years that strengthens us so that as we come into that another season of difficult times, we're able to express it with joy because, well, we've had experience in the past with it. And the accumulation of those, some very uh, chronic and some very acute trials, the huge ones, as well as the small mundane ones. Again, James says various trials, all kinds. He wants to lump them all together, all (laughs) kinds, whatever you're experiencing. And so he's kind of, he's saying to us, stop parsing everything here and instead start trusting I appreciate that. I think I think the trust is the is the key element for us. Um, I, a part of my story is I, my 16 year old son at the time, uh, 16 years ago, as a matter of fact, died in a car accident. And um, one of the things that I've realized early on in in the grief process um, was that I really truly believed the things that I always thought I believed and said I believed and said to people who were going through the kind of things that um, are that I never ever dreamed that I would go through but I really believe those things about God I really trust him I really believe that he's with me in this kind of time and um, you know it was a it was an unspeakable horrible trial but um it it and it it wasn't that i had been through a season of question or doubt it just immediately reminded me that okay this is what i've always said it's what i've always believed i really do believe this um and um i hope that one of the things that will happen in our groups is that people will take the time to talk about the difficult trials that they've been through and and what they've learned and what they've discovered on the faith journey uh, because we're having this conversation. And that's valuable, Chris, because, and again, that's the strength of doing a 
group Bible study is, as we talk about this together, uh, for you to share a, your own walk with God and what you experienced in that trial, that is an encouragement to others that uh, how God is uh, to see that God is at work. Uh, it's, an, it's such an encouragement. We can be to one another to see how we've lived this out. Now there's wisdom that's called for um, in the book of James and it's easy. We often look at, it looks like James kind of jumps from one subject to another. And in verse five, he moves to the subject of if you lack wisdom, what I would like for us to do is we look at verse five uh, and, and on, I still want to think in terms of, he's been talking about trials, consider joy. When you go through these trials that we need God's joy in our lives, but we also need his wisdom. Let me read verse five through eight. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For the doubter is like the surging sea driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in his ways. I love that passage. Um, and it, it's one of those things that I really hold to as well is, um, um, you know, so we all lack wisdom. If you do and you recognize it, ask God, he'll give it to you. He'll give you all. He's, he's generous. He'll give you all of the wisdom that you need. And we need it, especially as we are going through trials. It really does all go together. When, when the trials happen, when that horrible event that shakes the very core of who you are, when the winds of trials are blowing so hard that your faith begins to flicker, when that happens, there's going to be a voice from the natural man that's going to say, you don't deserve this. Why is he doing this to you? What did you do wrong? You know, the karmic effect uh, from other world religions that says what's what, what's happening to you is because of something you've done, they would say in a past life. Uh, but when that happens, when you become tempted to blame God in that moment, you need his wisdom in your life uh, because the, the understanding and even the advice that's going to come from our well-meaning friends, um, I mean, just to enter Job into the picture and his friends who had all kinds of ideas as to why this was happening. None of them understood that God was winning an argument with Satan by Job's trials. None of them knew that. Not even Job knew that. He was put in an exclamation point with his argument against Satan with Job's life. We don't know the purpose. We don't always know the why, but can we embrace the who? And that's what James is encouraging us to do at this point. And this is one of many times in his book that he brings wisdom up, that you're needing wisdom. And it's introduced in the context of trials. You don't just need conventional wisdom. You need godly wisdom to know what is going on here. Uh, because if you don't, you're going to end up getting bitter and blame God. And in the midst of that, your faith is going to crack like a parched landscape. 
Well said. Chris and I were in a conversation this morning with some others uh, about this issue of suffering. And uh, Jim, we brought up the book of Job. Uh, we were looking at a study there because here's Job facing this incredible suffering. And, and uh, the, that kind of that why question that comes up. And as you pointed out, what the friends were trying to, ex- that were their, their way of trying to explain what he was going through. And uh, God finally spoke into the picture and he never answered the question why Job was suffering. He never gave a specific, well, Job, it's because of this or that. What he did is he said, Job, where were you when I did such and such, when I did this, when I created that? And there's this element of the wisdom Job gained from that is, you know, God's bigger than I am. He knows much more than I do. And there's kind of a sense of, Job, if you don't understand all this that I've created, if you don't understand, there's some spiritual elements here you may not understand. Uh, so there was an element where we just realized God's God, he's sovereign, and I can trust him. That's the bottom line, Brother Liam. Uh, that's the bottom line that James has given us from the very beginning. You can be joyful because you can trust in God, even in the midst of this trial. And when you can't trust or you think you can't trust, pray for wisdom and you will, you will get the wisdom to know that you can trust. He goes on in verse nine, uh, James does, to talk about what what I'm going to state it this way. We're talking about trials, how these trials can help us keep the right perspective on things. Uh, Let let me let me read the passage and we'll kind of see how this unfolds. Remember, keep in mind, let's keep trials before us. Let the brother of humble circumstances boast in his exaltation, but let the rich boast in his humiliation because he will pass away like a flower of the field. For the sun rises, and together with the scorching wind dries up the grass. Its flowers fall off, and its beautiful appearance perishes. And in the same way, the rich person will wither away while pursuing his activities. But blessed is the one who endures trials, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. It's a great summary of... Uh, for James to say, to bring them back around to trials um, and, and to talk about looking at trials and the difficulties of life from um, an eternal perspective, which gets us back to faith and trusting God. So uh, that's just his style. Jim, his, James' style reminds me a lot of your style of writing because you, you, you do a very good job of starting and then circling through and around and coming back to the point and making it in, in, in variety of ways. So I've always appreciated that about you. Well, the, uh, thank you, brother Chris, um, James in this, in this particular portion of text does something in the overall all book that's important. And I'll come back to this. He introduces the rich and the poor in juxtaposition to one another. That comes up in the section on favoritism and then later in chapter five, where he says to the rich to weep and howl. And in each of these instances, he does something that you think you're rich if you have financial resources, but you're really rich if you have faith. So if you come back to the very beginning of of this uh, section of scripture, He tells us we can have joy when we have various trials because it produces a stronger, steadfast faith. And now he wraps up in this section 
with this juxtaposition between the wealthy and the poor, the poor brother can boast in the humiliation because he's rich in faith. And the wealthy person, really, he, he's, his wealth is going to pass away just like the flowers that are out in the field. And later, he's going to say in chapter five that he needs to weep and to howl because of his misery. Such vivid language that he uses in this text. So really, I think Brother Lynn surfaced this early on. The point is faith. The reason we have joy is because of faith. The faith that's produced because of trials, therefore, we can have joy in our trials. And then he goes on and talks about how this, this is going to produce this beautiful reward in the end, the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. The most valuable thing we have is not a life without trials. The most valuable thing we have is, is faith to get us through those trials, because those trials really are the substance of life. Because of all of that, we can be joyful. A friend of mine recently reminded me that we, we work really hard to set up our lives so that we avoid trials. <laughs> we don't want to have to go through those things. Uh, but the very thing that we try to avoid and to try and try to keep ourselves from going through are the very things that God uses to help us to grow and develop and mature and make a difference in our lives. Pretty amazing. Jim, you wrapped up this study with some great thoughts for what we do with this study. Um, we call it live it out in the personal study guide, but I thought these were just spot on as we talk about trials, expressing joy, uh, our faith in all this. Uh, you, you told us, first of all, pray for strength. In whatever trial you're facing, ask God, seek God that while he may be found, call on him while he is near. Just God, I'm going through this trial. I need strength. You also, I thought this was a great idea too. Just ask for help. Just, um, I mean, once believers, we're in the body of Christ together. And as you're going through struggles, uh, if you're experiencing a different trial, reach out to somebody, whether it's someone in your class, your a Bible study leader, whoever it might be, and ask for their assistance. Let them walk with you to carry that burden. And then, Jim, the third thing you said I thought was great, too. Look for ministry opportunities in your pain uh, and, and just see how God uses the difficulties we go through, not only just to strengthen our faith, but he also uses us in the lives of others. Uh, Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, about, uh, comfort others with the comfort you have yourself received from God. That, uh, as, and I've known friends who went through cancer. Yet, and as God brought them through that, they were in turn able to walk by people walking down that same difficult road because they had been there. They had, they could talk about their testimony of joy, their faith being strengthened, and such an encouragement to someone else walking down that road. Great application ideas you gave us here to consider. Uh, well, thank you. And you know, if we don't put it to work. If, it, if, if this engagement with James, this text in James, only adds uh, to our mind, then we've missed the whole point. We have got to stretch out there and do something 
that is supernatural, doesn't come to us natural. And, uh, you know, usually we put these in order of the most difficulty. You know, the, the, the first one is something that, that we think everyone could do. Brother Lynn, I think I may have gotten this in the wrong order. I think ask for help <laughs> may be the most difficult one here. Because especially I'm, I'm thinking as the, you know, the folks that are engaged in this Bible study are serious about their faith. And I think we want to um, project ourselves as having it together. And probably the most meaningful thing we can do in our small group is to be transparent and maybe not with everyone. It's not always appropriate to say it publicly, but to go to coffee with somebody that you trust and say, I'm really struggling here. Because, you know, Brother Chris, you just shared a very personal pain. That's a public pain, the, the losing of your child. Um, we all have public pain, but we also have private pain that frankly needs to stay private because the, we don't always own the stories. In other words, a rebellious child, we can't tell that story in public. That's, that's their story, not ours. But sometimes we need to have a trusted confidant that we can share with. The three of us have enjoyed having this conversation. And those of you who are listeners, we hope that you have enjoyed it too, that it's been helpful for you, beneficial to you, that some of you are preparing to lead a conversation around James 1. So we hope that that this, our conversation uh, will be benefit you as you prepare um, we, we are grateful for you taking the time to listen and hope this has been beneficial to you.